everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. All right, everybody, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today we are starting a whole new book, the book of Luke. So now we are, same old story, a new set of eyes. And before we dive into this, we just want to personally thank Roz, uh, who recently became a subscriber and partner with us. Uh, so we appreciate so much your generosity, uh, and we're glad that you have been enjoying the podcast. So thanks for partnering with us. Uh, and as always, if any of you are interested in doing that, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. So uh, thank you for that. We appreciate that. Uh, now let's jump into Luke. So Luke chapter one is a lengthy chapter. There's a lot going on. So I think you wanted to speak a little bit to this opening. So Luke is the gospel writer, and he kind of gives like an introduction to whom he is giving an account of all of these things. This is interesting. So Luke actually tells us pretty clearly what he's up to. And you can see this in Luke chapter one, uh, verse three. It seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Now, we don't really know who Theophilus is. We know that he has a very Greek-sounding name. Uh, that's about it. But it is interesting that Luke is saying right up front, like, I want to present an orderly account of what I have seen and what I have known so that you can be affirmed in your faith, which is interesting because I feel like on the podcast we have talked a lot about faith-affirming details uh, and if there's anybody that's a details guy, Luke is a details guy. Well, yeah, actually, his entire gospel is pretty lengthy as well. Like, I believe there's, is it like 28 chapters? I feel like it's a lot longer than others that we have seen or have experienced thus far. I think, I think it's 24. Oh, maybe it's, yep. yep so it's yep. a little bit shorter than Matthew. But it still is a lot more detailed than what Mark was. Mark is that immediately guy kind of flying through, <laughs> skipping over lots of details, and Luke gives a lot more than that. This is also a two-part work. So Luke wrote the book of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And there's a lot of thoughts that this was originally just one work that has been split into two. It is possible that it was presented as like two volumes or something. Um, but Luke and Acts, same author, uh, same story, same purpose. What's interesting is if you really want Luke's full account, you can just read the Gospel of Luke, go right into the book of Acts, and you'll notice that a lot of the styles are the same, a lot of the details are the same. Uh, Luke is a doctor. Uh, fun fact, he is not a disciple. So a really common mm. misconception is that all of the Gospels were written by disciples. That's simply not true. Uh, Luke was actually a <laughs> disciple of Paul's and was involved in all the missionary journeys and very close to a lot of the apostles. So because he's a doctor and because he's seeing a lot of these things firsthand, uh, he is actually one of the better recorders of details and facts. Um, actually, people like to use the book of Luke and compare it with like ancient uh, maps and understanding of like ports and cities and travel routes. And if you read through the book of Luke and you read through the book of Acts, you can see that a lot of the understood ancient travel routes and cities and ports are the same ones that Luke represents. So just from... Um, like archaeology, we can see that Luke is describing what was the ancient world at that time. It all lines up. It's all true. It is kind of crazy, too, because always in my mind, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all disciples, right? Uh, no, not the case. It just kind of feels that way because in, in nature, that has 
been the case thus far. Well, those um, are like the names you associate yeah, with Jesus. It's like, oh yeah. yeah, Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So kind of a weird realization. Um, also, it is probably like written like... It's not the earliest one. It's not the latest one. Mark is probably between 53 and 55. Matthew is between 55 and 65. Luke is probably around 62. And then John is between 85 and 95. So if you're curious like where these all fall into place, that's kind of where it looks like. And if you listen to our episode yesterday, that's some of the controversy of like the longer ending of Mark is that it lines up so closely with what Luke wrote. That's actually a case to be made that the longer ending of Mark was written based on Luke's account, which makes it later and not earlier. So I guess all those details aside then, um, we kind of open up this chapter with God once again using unlikely people in order to essentially draw out his plan. Yeah. Um, so we have the birth of John the Baptist being told to Zechariah. So I think of Zechariah as just like this old man. He's doing his job. He's going about his day to day. The people are outside. They're praying and worshiping while Zechariah is doing this thing. Remember, there's like certain parts of the temple where only certain people can go. So I'm envisioning him like going in, doing his thing, and everybody's just kind of like waiting around for him to come out. And like what would normally take not very long, people are starting to get concerned. Like, where is this guy? Meanwhile, he's being told, this little grandpa, that he's going to have a child, which was never a possibility for him and his wife. It seems like an extreme, unlikely possibility for he and his wife to have a child at this point. Um, But the, the angel is saying, no, this is definitely going to happen. And a key verse that really stuck out to me, which also just had a key word in it, um, is as the angel is talking to Zechariah about what John's going to do, in verse 17, towards the very end, it's talking about how this child is going to help basically bring people back to God. It says he's also going to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And that word prepared, it happens again, it shows up again in this chapter, it shows up again in a couple chapters from now, and all talking about John. John is this great preparer. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, um, just kind of all how this goes down. Another thing that the angel promises him, and this is in verse 17, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's mm-hmm. your word. Um, what's interesting is that this is like almost a direct quotation from Malachi 4, which is the final proclamation of the Old Testament. We go into the 400 years of silence. This is breaking the 400 years of silence, this angel's message. And the angel's message is essentially like the time has come. Malachi 4 is going to be fulfilled, and it's going to be fulfilled in this John that will be your son. And then just in time for him to go and tell everybody the good news, he's struck with not being able to speak. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and it's mostly because of his unbelief. And which, honestly, I would have been right there with him. So much of this reminds me of Abraham and Sarah. Uh Abraham and Sarah's story is very similar. He's a very old man. God makes him a promise, says he will have a son. He's too old. Sarah actually laughs, and Sarah is punished for laughing. And (laughs) these stories are so, so similar. And again, the same promise is at the center. So when Abraham receives the promise, it's that a nation will come from him that will be a blessing to all nations. Here, Zechariah is receiving this promise that his son will be the forerunner of the ultimate person who will bring the promise. It's it's just exciting. And it's, it's really exciting how 
um, this opening of Luke ties all these Old Testament stories together and builds a lot of anticipation of what is to come. What's also odd to think about is you might as well like consider Elizabeth's position on this too. So not only does she become pregnant, she also has to deal with a husband who probably can't hear her in the first place. Mm-hmm. On top of that is coming home unable to speak and she finds out she's pregnant. Like what a crazy situation. What a weird turn of events. Yeah. So then sh- shortly after that, actually right after that, we start talking about the birth of Jesus being foretold. So again, another instance where a very unlikely person is going to be used by God to carry out his plan, which is Mary, also being visited by an angel. I think what's so interesting about both of these accounts is there's a lot of emphasis on what the Holy Spirit is going to do and how the Holy Spirit is filling and moving in all these different people. And even this is kind of ushering in this new idea of, hmm, the Holy Spirit is doing new things Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit filled specific people for specific times for specific purposes. But now it seems like there's a lot more activity going on here. And eventually Luke is going to record in Acts 2 uh, that the Holy Spirit is going to fall on the people. And there's going to be this new movement of everybody who believes being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and moving in the power of God. So we get a little bit of a, a foreshadowing moment here. Uh, with all these announcements of what the Holy Spirit is doing, but ultimately we're going to see like there is this huge new thing coming uh, when Luke writes in Acts. So I don't know if you want to like hit on anything else with that, but I think it's really interesting how too Mary and Elizabeth are also tied kind of to each other. They're not only are they both pregnant miraculously, but they are both related to one another, and they were both visited by the same angel when Mary visits Elizabeth. Like John leaps in Elizabeth's womb and it's, I don't know, it's just like this really cool, strange connected story. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit is in the baby in her womb. The Holy Spirit senses the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb. This is like a powerful uh, one case for um, John being of significant uh, origin, but also of Jesus obviously being very significant, but also how God is at work in these babies before they're born. Like their mm-hmm. story starts before they are born. And so it's it, it's a little bit of a reach, but this is a story that you can use to make the case for like, hey, we really care about pre-born children because God here is moving and working in these pre-born children. Obviously, there's, these are not just your everyday kids. This is John the Baptist <laughs> and Jesus, our Savior. Um, but it is worth noting that God is moving and working, and they're actually able to like identify what's going on before they're even born children. And I'm sure there was a lot of fear also for Mary because she was in a strange situation in that she had n- she's not married. She's going to be found pregnant. She's going to be like betrothed to be married. Uh, but that is just like a really awkward situation for her, especially in that time is like extremely looked down upon. But in all of it, um, her song is actually, or like her praise is actually really moving in that she is so thankful. Like you've chosen me to do this, God, like I'm so thankful and I am a willing servant. Um, and just basically recognizing God's power and humbling herself to say thank you for choosing me to do this task. You said you really resonated with those songs. Like you you like Mary's song and Zechariah's song, I think. Yeah, I mostly like Mary's because I think she's a little prophetic in that um, it talks about in verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Um, 
I think she's referring to herself a little bit here in that she is in that humble estate, but also like bringing down those on the throne. Like this is not, I don't even know if she knows what she's talking about yet, but like this child is not going to be some king born in a palace. He's going to be a king that is born in like the most humble of ways um, in a young, humble girl who is ready and prepared to do the Lord's work. So one thing that can get missed in what is here, like essentially this Christmas story, basically, is that Mary actually spends around three months with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth Mm -hmm. is actually in hiding for several months because she just doesn't want to go out and be seen. So a significant part of this story is actually that these two women are spending a lot of time together uh, caring for each other uh, as their babies are quite excited to be in the presence of each other. And as we see John's story take shape and Jesus' story take shape, it's just really interesting to watch um, what happens to both of them because they're starting out in such a humble beginning. Well, and then it's really crazy too. Uh, once John is born, um, we see this moment come where Zechariah is able to speak again, as was prophesied by the angel. Um, so it must have been, I don't know, I just imagine um, Elizabeth just being really calm throughout the whole thing because <laughs> she doesn't have anybody talking to her, um, whatever, she can enjoy the peace of her pregnancy. But um, it's probably a huge relief, too, to know that what the angel said did come true. Not only is the child born, Zechariah is able to speak, and his song is also very profound. So again, um, this is towards like the middle of his prophecy, his like song after John is born. In verse 76, he's referring to John saying, and you child will be called the prophet of the most high, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. So once again, there's this idea not only given by Gabriel, but also now Zechariah, basically saying that John is going to be the one that prepares the way for Jesus to come. And that is exactly what John does. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've been talking about this prophecy from Zechariah, but like like I was saying earlier, like Luke focuses so much on the, the moving power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit's doing something kind of unique here. You can actually see in verse 67, Zechariah is not just proclaiming things. He's proclaiming things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 67 says, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So this is not just Zechariah saying great things. This is God speaking through the Holy Spirit, through Zechariah, and we should pay attention to what he has to say. Yeah, and what's also interesting, too, is not only is John just preparing the way for Jesus, he's also acting um, as almost like this missionary to the people before Jesus even hits Mm -hmm. the scene. So if you look at verse 72... Um, let's see, to show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Um, these are all things that I think he is, he's going to do in preparation, but specifically in verses 77 and 79, after he talks about preparing the way, um, John's going to give knowledge of salvation. He's going to give light to those who sit in darkness and guide their feet into the way of peace. Um, obviously these are all things that the Holy Spirit and and God can do as well, but John is going to help propel people in the direction to be ready and prepared for what Jesus is going to do. It's exciting. This is a powerful moment in history. Um, I know I've <laughs> back when we started Mark, I was kind of complaining about hearing the same story over and over again. Here we are on the the footsteps of this story again, but I'm actually kind of excited about it. I have been really encouraged uh, by reading and rereading the story of Jesus. I hope you are being encouraged as well. Basically, uh, we'll be spending the month of March 
uh, focused in on Luke and his account of what's going on. And I just, I just already, I'm excited about what's going on. I love this, like, uh, focus on the Holy Spirit. I love this focus on God doing something new, drawing attention to John the Baptist. Um, I like that you're pointing out that he's going to cause the people to repent, to be prepared for the message of Jesus. Uh, so there's a lot here to be encouraged by. So I guess the, your part would be, um, I'm just excited for this journey. I hope you're excited for this journey too. Uh, Your part in this is to pay attention with fresh eyes uh, to the story of Jesus through the lens of Luke. I'm just excited to do this with you. And also, thanks again to Roz uh, for partnering with us. We appreciate your generosity so much. We'll be back again tomorrow with Luke chapter 2. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Luke chapter 1. And as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he and his wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord as people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years." And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on my humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day as they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives are called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies, and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, 
the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.